Let's begin, and I'm going to read a passage of scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We mentioned this last time, and we've also mentioned it in the doctrinal class. And one of the things that you're going to find is that each one of these classes really kind of dovetailed together. Now, I don't know exactly what you came prepared for today, but we are going to look at three different aspects or three different things that I believe and each class is going is has been designed, and I have written the material um, so that you might be able to uh, spend the time studying to become a true master's disciple. And that really is my goal: is to see you become, excuse me, to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I know for a fact that you, along with myself and your family, along with my family, we all have struggles. And it doesn't matter whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, psychological, physical, mental, whatever it may be that is going on in your family, there is an answer. And we're either going to go to the Word of God or we're going to go to the world. There's no other options that we have because there's only two worldviews that really matter. And everything falls under these two worldviews. Either you're going to have a Christocentric view and that is a view centered on the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything is going to be focused on that. That means even the church must look and represent Jesus Christ. Or secondly, it's going to be a cosmological viewpoint, and that is simply a viewpoint from the world or the world's perspective. How does the world define certain aspects? For example, in, in, in psychology, what is the standard that is used in the psychological world right now? Does anybody know what it is? DSM-5. DSM-5 is really the Bible of, 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 the, 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 uh, uh, of anything dealing with psychology in the world today. And the problem is that if you ever go for counseling, for example, and, and, and if you choose not to go to the pastor, that's fine. I understand that. There was a time when, when that was the only person who actually did counseling in a local village was the pastor. And today we go to counselors who are trained to use the DSM-5, and they're not going to start with the Bible on the desk. In fact, most psychologists are not going to have a Bible in their office, period. And so what they want to do is they want to use the world's terminology. They want to define things, for example, like... The Bible says that a person who imbibes too much alcohol and loses control of their senses is called a what? A drunkard. The world wants to call them an alcoholic and give them some kind of 12-step program that hopefully will change their life, which doesn't change. You, you see, the problem is the first tenet of AA, for example, and similar programs is this. You have to realize that once you're an alcoholic, you are always an alcoholic. But that doesn't line up with Scripture. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, Paul is talking about all the different vices and the, and, the, and, the, and the sexual sins and the immorality that was found. And he says, such were some of you. You see, again, we're going to look at it from a worldly perspective or we're going to look at it from Christ's perspective. And Christ's perspective says, such were some of you. I redeemed you, I bought you out of the slave market of sin, therefore you are not what you once were. You are something new, you are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Whereas the world wants to give you excuses, they want to slip you another bottle, they want to give you some kind of, some, something to be able to change your mind and, and, and to be able to alter your mind, your perception. 
And the problem is, yes, we need to alter our mind perception, but that comes from Romans chapter 12, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. And when we do that, we can renew our mind. And by renewing our mind, what does that change? It changes the way we view things. And instead of seeing it from the world's perspective, we begin to view it from God's perspective. And we recognize that everything that God defines as sin is sin. We don't make excuses. We don't cover it over. We don't, we don't say, uh, for example, um, if, if, if we get two young people and they're sleeping together, they're sleeping around, we've got all kinds of terminology and phrases that we find in the English language. But the Bible is very clear. It's called fornication, right? And we talk about being a, being a drunkard, being an alcoholic, as the world says, or being a, being a drunkard, as the Bible says. And so when we begin to recognize, and the reason we have these phrases and these words in our English language now is because we want to soften the blow of what that actually does. Now, for example, there was a time you could go into, into any church um, probably up through the early 1900s, and you could go into a church and you would hear things in regards to sexual sins. For example, homosexuality. It was called what it was. But now we've come to a point in our world today where we've got something like 87 different known uh, genders that are available. You can pick and choose whatever it is that you want to be. And yet God makes it very clear. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, Matthew, he speaks it as well. And he says, Jesus himself said, have you not heard in the beginning? He, God, made them. He's the one that sets the standard. He made them male and female. That's it. There are no other genders. Now you can identify as whatever you want to. You can identify as a, uh, you can identify as a barbecue grill if you want to. But that doesn't make you a barbecue grill. And just because of what's in your mind, and, and, and here's the reality, and we don't want to be harsh because we are called, if you remember what Sister uh, Melissa said, we are called to love who? Even our enemies. We, we, are, we are called to love them. And, 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 and their battle is not with you and me just because we don't agree with their viewpoint or their perspective. The real battle that they have in their heart and their mind is they want to argue with God about how God has defined the world. We were talking about this. Another person here was uh, speaking with me earlier this week, and they were making the comment in regards to creation. Well, the world wants to argue about creation because if they can argue successfully against creation, it's going to avoid things like original sin. It's going to avoid Adam and Eve. It's going to avoid the fall in the garden. It's going to avoid the consequences of sinning against a holy God. In fact, if we just evolved, we don't even have to worry about the holiness of God. Because God really doesn't exist if we are just a clump of cells that evolved to, to, to where we're at today. I, I learned a little poem years and years and years ago from, from my dad, and he said it so many times that I memorized it. Once I was a polywog beginning to begin, and then I was a slimy toad with my tail tucked in. And now I am a monkey up a banyan, or then I was a monkey up a banyan tree, and now I am a scientist with a PhD. <laughs> polywog, slimy toad, monkey now a man. Will glory be to nothing for such a planless plan? Or we can look at what God says, and the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God 
And this is what we find. There's a continuation from the Old Testament and we get to the New Testament in John chapter 1 and we find not only in the beginning did God create, but in the beginning was the Word. And this is the introduction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And knowing where He has come from and where we were and where, what He did in order that we might be able to go to where He is. This is the whole message of the gospel. This is the, the glorious message of the gospel. This is why we have good news. This is why the word gospel, the euangelion, this, this means the good news. There is no greater news in all the world. You see, because even if somebody were to find a cure for all cancers that, in the, that are in the world, that would be great news. And it would reverberate across the entire world. And yet, here's the problem. Those people who have been cured of cancer, they still have to die. And what happens when they die? What happens if, if, if no little child across the world in Africa or in Far East Asia, if none of them ever go to bed with an empty stomach anymore, or they all have clean water, or, or the, the, the world gets to a point where, where from a monetary or financial standpoint, everybody has all the money that they could possibly need on a given basis, they're still going to die. And what are they going to do then? Because all the things that they hoped for, all the things that they wanted, they're all gone. Your money, your clothes, your riches, your health. And now you stand before God with absolutely nothing. That's the way you came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave this world with nothing. And yet the difference is that when you stand before God, He either stands before you with Him being your judge, or you stand before Him as He is your Savior. Again, it comes down to two worldviews. Worldview, Christ's view. Biblical perspective. And the only way you're going to find that is not through church tradition. It's going to be through the Word of God. This has to be the standard. This is why I have quoted 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 so many times. And that is, uh, uh, everything that pertains to life and godliness is found within the pages of Scripture. There is nothing... Feel free to test me at some point. There is nothing that is going on in your life that there is not a principle that we cannot find on how to define that in your life and how to change you to become more like Jesus Christ. There is nothing that you will endure. There is nothing that you will suffer. There is nothing that you will go through that will change that God's word is the answer. God's Word has the answer. Why? Because it is the Word of God, not contains the Word of God. Because if it just contains the Word of God, all we're going to do is we're going to argue about which part is actually the Word of God. We have to believe that it is all the Word of God from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The final conclusion of everything that man has messed up and the evil one messed up in this world is going to come to its conclusion one day. And as we find out in Revelation 21, there's coming a day when there will be no more sin. There will be no more tears, no crying, no sorrow. This is why, Lord willing, tomorrow morning we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There is a comfort that is found in Jesus Christ alone. A comfort that the world cannot give. This is, this, is why, this is why we look at the scriptures and we find, you know, do not sorrow as those who have no hope sorrow. 
We are to be comforted in the word of God. You know, it's interesting, the number of words for comfort and mourn in the Old and New Testaments. I think you're going to be surprised, Lord willing, tomorrow morning as we look at this one little passage. I was sharing with, with somebody this last week, I believe it was at the Thursday night or right before the Thursday night. When I came to the Beatitudes, and I preached through several books of the Bible, but I've never preached through the Gospels. And I've never done a series, a single series. And so when I made the determination to actually begin with Matthew chapter 5, and we actually had two introductory messages, and to look at Matthew 5, I thought, well, you know, how in the world am I going to find enough material to be able to talk about on one verse? You know, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the more I studied, the more I realized how much the Bible actually speaks to those things in regards to the kingdom of heaven. There's enough material there. We could be on it for two weeks just on that one line. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, you've got one of two options in your life. You can either simply say, Pastor must say, as pastor says that, therefore it must be true. Or you can open up your Bible and you can study for yourself to see whether those things are true or not. Do you know the reason why we've got so many denominations and cults around the world today? It's because people failed to open their Bible. Because had they opened their Bible, they would have realized that the likes of people like Joseph Smith was nothing but a charlatan. They would have realized that several of these denominations that have started and some of them have ceased and, and, and they've restarted in various different forms. Uh, the, the reason they start is because people are not students of the word. That's what I want you to be. You see, I, I know some of you, Mike makes this comment all the time that he says that I'm a walking encyclopedia or a walking dictionary. You know, and I've said this before and I say this in love again to not just to him but to all of you. Uh, the graveyard is full of people who thought they were indispensable. I'm not indispensable. Others who have been in the ministry are not indispensable. One day we will go off the scene and the question that's going to be left in people's minds are, oh, well, what are we going to do now? Well, if you've been learning to depend on the strength of the Word of God, you've been learning to depend on the strength of the Holy Spirit, if I were to pass away today, tomorrow morning service should continue just as if I was there. That's the mark of a true biblical church, that it continues in such a way. Now, there's going to be a difference in style, yes, because everybody's not, everybody doesn't preach just like me. You know, the next pastor of the Lord Terry's is coming might be tall and have hair. <laughs> but I tell you what. Yellowstone will only continue if the next pastor who follows me opens up the Word of God and is willing to study it to see what God has to say. That's the only way it's going to continue. And the only way that you're going to know that is when that man, whoever it is, comes and he sits down at the table in front of a, a pastoral search committee. And, and again, hopefully it won't be for a long, long time, but let's say that it is. The people who are sitting at that table are going to look at him and they're either going to scratch their heads wondering whether this guy has enough charisma that he can take our, 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 our church to the next level or, or they're going to look at him and they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? 
well, I'm sorry, You'd, what you believe doesn't line up with Scripture. Thank you for coming today. Goodbye. But too often what happens is pastors or men walk into churches and instead of being grilled on the things that are important, they're being grilled about things that don't matter in the light of eternity and the church just goes from one problem to the next to the next. You know, I appreciate what John MacArthur has, has said in regards to the line of succession as far as who's going to follow him. I, I have no doubt in my mind that there's already somebody who has been selected who is going to be encouraged to be able to take the reins at Grace Community Church when John MacArthur finally goes on to glory. But whether we know who that person is before or after John MacArthur passes off the scene, one thing I can tell you is that John MacArthur has established Grace Community Church with the Lord's help to such in such a way and in such a manner that whoever comes next is going to follow the Word of God or he's not going to be given space in the pulpit. And that's the way we should be. And the only way you're going to get there is by opening up your Bible and studying it. You know, I, I, I wish that pastors also had the integrity to be willing to say, hey, wait a minute, I want to ask you guys some questions as well. How many of you have ever read your entire Bible all the way through? No, no, no I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but thank you for that. So let's say that a man is sitting here and he's being grilled by the church. And he were to ask, how many of you have actually read your Bible all the way through? You know, most people, most Christians can't raise their hand. So if he was being honest with himself, with God, and with the Word, with the, with the word of God, what he should be asking is this. If, if you have never read through the Word of God and yet you're calling me to be your pastor, how do you know if I'm going to tell you the truth? I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, that, that's a biblical perspective, right? And again, that's the reason why you have, uh, we, we've been talking about the reformers and the Puritans and others, and these men were not perfect. So, some of them made huge mistakes, just like David and Solomon and Peter and all the disciples who fled the first sign of persecution and the possibility of, of being hung on a cross right beside Jesus. They all fled, but we find that men like David, man after God's own heart. We find people like Moses, who is a friend of God. We find people like Noah, who got drunk, uncovered in his tent, and yet the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That is an encouragement, and should be an encouragement to you and to I to open up the Word of God, see the, and see the revelation that God has given to us about Himself, about His holiness, and what He does when that holiness is, in the world's estimation, thwarted. What does God do? God still pronounces judgment. Uh, somebody asked me, I believe it was either this last week or the week before, well, what do you preach? Very simple. Sin, righteousness, and the coming judgment. That's what John the Baptist preached. It's what the disciples preached. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ preached. It's what Paul preached when he's standing before Agrippa. And, and, and Agrippa says, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And he says, no, I would that you were altogether like me except for my chains. And you know what's interesting to me is he preaches sin, righteousness, and judgment. And two of the people who were there, Felix and his wife Drusilla, by the way, that was actually his third wife. 
all three of them were named Drusilla. He had something about that name. And the Drusilla that we find in the book of Acts is the one that actually is one of only two people that are named. There are some almost 30,000 people that died when Vesuvius blew in AD 33. And that Drusilla is one of only two people who are named in history who were actually there in Vesuvius when that volcano erupted. And you know what she was doing there? She was there with her son introducing him to the vulgarities and the wonders of life as a Roman. No laws, no restrictions, do whatever you want, live any way you want, say what you want, whatever goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. Whatever went on in the town of Pompeii stayed in Pompeii. And yet the last thing that she would have remembered would have been the suffocating gas and the ash coming down, filling her lungs to the point where she would suffocate alive. And yet the last time we find out about her in the Bible, we hear that she is hearing from a little short man by the name of Paul, who's preaching sin, righteousness, and the coming judgment, and she avoided all three until the day of judgment. What a heartbreak. So having said that, I want to pass out the first handout this morning. Somebody Sterling? No, we're not passing Sterling out. Okay. So we're going to be looking at this over the next couple of months. Not, not this particular one because this will probably be the last one that we're actually looking at uh, today for this one. But basically, I want you to get out your phone if you don't already have your phone, and I want you to open up to whatever web browser you are using, Brave, Safari, Chrome, whatever. And I want you to look up blueletterbible.com, all one word, blueletterbible.com. And basically what I want to do with this brief time that we have just for this particular class, because I've got two other things that I want to share with you. I want to show you, um, I think you can get there with .com as well. Yep. Is it different than the app or the same? Uh, it is different than the app. Okay. Yep. And, and, and I want to show you this because there are some aspects of the app that you can't use like you can the full version of the Blue Letter Bible online. And what I want to do is I want to show you briefly how to, and we're going to look at this, how to study the Bible expositionally in the future, um, But I because I want you to see what it takes to actually put a message together. But for you to be able to take a word, and this is actually part of your homework for this next month, and that is that I am going to challenge you to do a word study, a topical word study, and I want you to know how to do that. And that's what this form is for here. This is, uh, if you use PDF forms, by the way, these are all found on our website. They were, I put them up yesterday. Um, and this will give you an opportunity to be able to study through this. But I, I've made a few, I've made a few pictures here, uh, or copied a few pictures, because I want you to be able to see basically how we do this. Okay? So at the top, on the Blue Letter Bible, you will see that it says right beside Blue Letter Bible at the top left, it, there's a space there to either be able to enter a verse or a word. 
So let's say that you have a particular word that, that, that is of interest to you, comfort, fellowship, love, whatever it may be. You're going to type in that word, but what I want you to do is I want you to follow along with me for just this part here, and then you can pick whatever word you want to use for your part of the study, okay? And we're actually going to show you how to do this. This is not the app, right? This is not the app. I already have the app on my phone. Yep, it is not the app. Yeah, no, there's, there's, some, there's some features that are found on the online part that are not yet in the app. Okay? It keeps directing me to the app. Don't, yeah, don't go to the app. Yep, don't go to the app. Because you will not be able to get some of these screens if you use the app. Yeah. So if you go online, for example, online is going to give you um, is going to give you uh, or like if you're using a computer or whatever, uh, it's going to go directly to this and it's going to show you. So I just want to walk through this briefly in the next few minutes to show you how to do this. So we have selected a particular word. OK. And the word that we have used here is the word comfort. So all we do is we type in the top comfort. where it says search the Bible, right there at the very top. And now you can choose whichever Bible version that you want to use. So you can use ESV, King James, New King James, uh, NASB, um, whatever it is that you want to use, type your word in there, and then I want you to hit the green button after you've selected your Bible version, and it's going to, you're going to then hit go, and it's going to pop up a second screen. And this is going to be the same thing no matter what words you're actually studying, okay? Now, if you type in the word the, your computer's probably going to glitch. <laughs> actually type a word, and, and here's the great thing about this. No, you may remember and you may be struggling to remember a particular verse. And, and I've heard this probably every single week of my ministry on average. People will say, you know, I'm not sure where this verse is found but it says something like, and they'll give you a little bit of a synopsis of what that verse is. For example, what's a verse that you can think of without, without actually maybe knowing the reference, but you remember something from the Bible or something you've heard? Anybody have one? Kingdom come. Okay, kingdom come. That would be good. So you could type in up here on this line, you could type in kingdom. Now, you can be a little bit more specific and you could say, kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's Matthew chapter 6. But if you type that in and you hit go, it's going to come up with everywhere that it says kingdom come. It's actually two different Greek words. Now, if you want to find out everything that the Bible has to say about kingdom, you simply put in the word kingdom and hit go and it's going to give you a number of different selections, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So, studying the Bible topically, this is the second picture that you have there. This is simply, or this is what's going to come up. And for every one of you, if you're using the ESV, for example, the very first verse that you should have is Genesis chapter 37, verse 35. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. Now, I want you to take a look right above these verses and it says here, the word comfort occurs how many times? 42. Okay, 42. So you're using the NASB. 52. Okay. 48. 48 in 44 different verses, right? 
Now, in the English language, we would think that that word comfort means the same thing in every single instance. But in Greek, you would be very surprised to find that that is not actually true. And right above that, you will see that there are above where it says primary. Everybody find that. And it says dictionaries, lexicon, and frequently asked questions. Everybody see that? Okay. So that takes you to the next page. And what you're going to do is you're going to cr click on that green little button that says lexicon. So I think you're talking about the desktop version. It's a little different than the mobile version. No, I'm on the, I'm on the mobile version. Oh, I don't have a green button. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, sorry, I forgot. I've changed all of my color settings. Okay, uh, across the top you should have four buttons though. You got four buttons? Okay, so tap the one that says lexicon. And the next thing that should come up is there's going to be three options. Again, you can change your version here. And it's going to say exact match, beginning of the word, or any part of the word. And what does it say next? Somebody read that. There are how many entries that match the word comfort? 21 words in Hebrew and Greek. And in the English language, we have one word, comfort. 21 different words throughout the scriptures for just this word comfort. Now do you see how easy it would be to kind of get lost when you're studying, when you get to a verse like, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Which word is he talking about? Yes, Gabe. What is lexicon? <coughs> lexicon is simply a reference that gives you basically the Greek or the Hebrew word as far as English uh, another another uh, Bible tool, would, for example, would be an interlinear. So an interlinear is going to have the Greek and the Hebrew, and they're going to be written one right above the other so that you can actually see what the word means. So the lexicon is simply a, 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 a tool uh, to be able to match a word with a particular verse in the concordance itself. Okay? You're welcome. So that first screen that you've got there, this should be on page number two of the one that I've given you, and you will see, for example, there are two words, and it gives you the Hebrew, and it gives you, or the first one is the Hebrew, and it gives you the word comfort, strength, strengthen, etc. So what you could do here at this point, you see that second one there means comfortably. So if you wanted to change this at the top to say exact match, it would take that out. Everybody with me still? Okay. So now we go down to the Greek. Look how many different words are used for the word comfort. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different words. Just for comfort. Now I'm not going to blow it, but if you come tomorrow, you're going to find out how all of this ties in with the Holy Spirit and how we are to be comforted because... Anybody recognize one of those words there? How about the one, two, three, four, the fourth one, the fifth one, and the sixth one? What, what, what does that word remind you of? It might be actually in some of your versions. Paraclete. 
Paraclete is the Holy Spirit, the one who does not leave you comfortless. And, and the word right above that, the one that actually says orphanos, actually is a word to be comforted by one who has no father. So as we look at these words, now you begin to, to, to begin to open these up. So let's take now, for example, the second word there, which is tharseo. This is the second one on the list. And it means to be of good cheer, be of good comfort. And you'll notice that it gives you both the Greek spelling as well as the transliterated or the way that this is pronounced in the English language. Okay? So I've just, for this study, I simply chose one of these and I chose the word tharseo. So if you look at tharseo, that's going to take you to the third page of your handout. And it's going to come up with this first screen. Now, to do this, by the way, you simply tap on that little number G2293. Now, does anybody have, a, have any uh, uh, understanding or reason as to why there's a G there? For Greek. For Greek. And if you were in the Old Testament, you would have an H for Hebrew. Okay? So all you do then is you would tap on that G2293 number... And it's going to bring you up to this screen right here. Tharseo. Okay, so everybody should have that screen. It's going to give you the transliteration of that. It's going to tell you how to pronounce it. It's going to tell you whether it's a verb, an adjective, an adverb, a noun. It's going to tell you what root word that it comes from. That's simply etymology, the study of the language or the study of the word itself. What is its background? And then it's going to give you some different inflections. In other words, these are the ways that this is actually found in the Greek New Testament. That would be for another study somewhere down the road. So I wouldn't worry about that part right now. But what I want you to do is I want you to go down to the bottom of the third page now. And what I've done to be able to get this is if you tap on this Tharseto, if you continue down, it's going to come up with some dictionary aids. Keep scrolling down on your page. It's going to tell you how many times it's found, for example, in the authorized version. And then it's going to give you an outline of biblical usage. Now this one and the Greek lexicon, to me, are, are two of the most powerful parts of this tool that you can use. Now I didn't print this off because I want you to be able to do it. But if you look down at Thayer's Greek, or the Strong's definition, first off, the outline of biblical usage, to be of good courage, to be of good cheer. Now we might, be able, we might say, well, yeah, we can be cheerful, we can be happy, we would try to maybe come up with some other adjectives. But we want to know exactly what the Greek says. So then you're going to have the Strong's definition, and it's going to possibly give you some comparison notes or some comparison words that you can tap on to find out exactly what the root word is. But look at this one. Thayer's Greek lexicon. You see where it says jump to scripture index? Everybody tap, tap on that. Okay. And what you're going to do, let me go back over here to mine.
change mine to the ESV. I'm going to go back to the lexicon. And we have selected Tharseo. And down underneath Thayer's Greek lexicon, normally you're going to have a lot more verses here. So if you were to jump to the scripture index, you can now tap on any one of those verses to see how the Bible is actually using that particular Greek word. So for example, John 16.33 should be one of the ones that you've got there. Just tap on it. And John 16.33 then, actually mine is, oh, here we go down the bottom. John 16.33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. The word there is actually the English word comfort. So what, we can, what can we derive from that? We are to be comforted even in the midst of trials, trials and tribulations, right? How can we get comfort if we are not a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? If the world, if the world has our gaze, instead of focusing on Christ when things get rough, we're not going to be looking to him. Because he is the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. That means that even in times of intense persecution, we have, for example, one of the ones that I listened to this week myself was the story of the account of John Rogers who lived in the 1500s, who, who actually helped do the work on the Coverdale Bible and the Matthews Bible and, and, and the Tyndall translation. Very learned man. Had... 11 kids, his wife was still breastfeeding one of them and they stood by the side of the road because for the last year of his life he was not even allowed to be able to talk to his wife or to his family. And on the way to being burned at the stake, his wife and all 11 of his kids, along with hundreds of the people in his church, are lining the roads shouting to him and exhorting him and encouraging him to be of good comfort in the midst of tribulation. That'd be pretty tough to do if you were on your own. I mean, are, are, are you and I willing to die for something that we don't really believe in? Nope. So I hope that gives you an understanding. Um, you can actually view these in a number of different ways. But in the Strong's, I want you to go back up to the Thayer's Greek lexicon here. And what I would like you to actually do here is go in the top right at the very top where it says verse or word, and I want you to put in a different word. For example, fellowship. Okay, it could be anything, but I'm going to put in fellowship in mine. And again, we're going to come up with the same thing, and we're going to go back to the lexicon, whatever word it is that you've chosen, and it's going to give you in mine, for example, uh, a Greek word 2842, and that simply, that number simply references the number that has been assigned alphabetically to whatever particular Greek or Hebrew word that you find, okay? So if you tap on G2842, for example, koinonia, which is the word for fellowship, you will go down and you were to look, for example, if you're looking at this word, you would go to the Thayer's Greek lexicon and it's not going to show you the entire entry. So what you would do here is simply tap show all. And when it shows all, it's going to come up and some of them have literally pages of material. And you go down and you find the particular word that you're looking for. So for example, 
uh, let's say uh, we're looking at Philemon 1.6, what it's going to do is it's going to pop back up, and I want to and I want to show you this so that you understand here. Let me show you this real quick. So if we're if we're down here on Philemon one six, when you tap on that, what it's going to do is it's going to pull up right up here. It's going to show you where that's at. So when you pull this up, for example, First John one three, it's going to pop it up to right there, so you can find it easier. Okay. So whatever verse you tap on, it's actually going to pull it up in here in the lexicon. So it's going to. So if you've got pages, it might be hard to find the verse. But what it's going to do is it's going to drop it to wherever it's at, like here. For the two it does. But you can do it on the fly on this. Okay. So same thing here. So whatever verse you find down here in the lexicon, if you tap on that, it's actually going to drop. So if it comes to Philippians 2.1, for example, it's going to put it all the way up so you'll see Philippians 2.1 on that line. Yeah. So if, if you go, uh, for example, go all the way down to the lexicon part, or the verse reference, okay. so tap on Philippians 1.5, for example, because you want to know how it's being what it's going to do is it's going to show you here. Oh, right here. It was right at the top. And so then you can find it. It's going to show you that this is what that means for Philippians 1.5. Yeah. It's hard. Because it can have multiple uses for that particular word. change that so you can add other Greek and Hebrew uh, texts or manuscripts and but this is actually keyed off of Strong's Concordance so that's the way this was designed so and a lot of it is going to come from the authorized or the King James Version. How do you get the uh, Hebrew on the Testament? So you should be able to let me let me go back over here. Um, are you on the app? Are you? I'm on the website right now, but I can get it up on the app. Okay, so here's. See, I just I just pulled that one up right there. That's the first word on fellowship. Okay. So again, just well, let's go back over here. So if you're in the verse reference down here at the bottom, let's, let's tap on one. So if you're on the verse reference down here in the in the thing and the show all, and you go down and you say tap on Second Peter one four, it's going to pop back up and it's going to come right to here wherever that verse is. So it's basically, if you've got dozens of verses, it's going to shorten that and take you right to what that particular word means to show you whether it's being used as a verb and noun or whatever. Yep. And if you, if you slide over, nope, um, slide over, this is where it came to, is right here. I can't see second here, it's a little small for me. I tapped on it. 
it's going to take you, so there's like pages on the lexicon, yeah. pages of material. It's going to take you to where that verse is being used and how it's being used. Okay. okay? Which number did yeah. you push in a second? I, it, um, 20, 2844. Okay. All right. Any other, que any other questions? I have a comment. Yeah. I'm sorry? One of the warnings that I would give with this website is their advertisers. Their advertisers are just advertisers. They are not an endorsement. Right. If you see something on there, it is very important that they understand that is not meaning that you're endorsing those. Right. Church is not endorsing those. And the website is not endorsing them. They're just an open website. They're, it's a, advertisers are allowed to advertise whatever they want. So you'll get something in there from Penny Hinn. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The, any of the endorsements that you find on that website, they are not being endorsed by Blue Letter Bible. Okay. Um, because it is an open source and it is a free source, um, I would recommend, and I have found this, that if you actually sign in and or sign up for an account with them, um, that you don't get as much of that advertisement as what you do if you don't have an account. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just a free sign-up, but a, a valuable, valuable tool. Now, there are other options, obviously, that I've shared with you. Uh, literal Word is one. Uh, YouTube, you can pull up the ESV or the NASB. There are several apps that are available. I do not find that they have nearly uh, the versatility that Blue Letter Bible does. I have used Blue Letter Bible for probably 20-plus years. Highly, highly recommend it. Partly because it is a Strong's, um, or because it is key to the Strong's. Um, I grew up, I used Strong's a lot in early years of ministry when we didn't have the internet. Um, you know, we were just etching on a cave wall with a rock and chisel. Um, I'm just seeing if you guys are listening. Obviously, no, some of you aren't. Okay. So yeah, seriously. So I, I love the I love the Strong's. Um, it's probably the best concordance that I have found. Um, there are three main concordances that are available. I would recommend you have at least one of them in your library. Don't buy them brand new. Don't go to the local Christian bookstore to buy one brand new. You can buy a Strong's concordance right now. Used the most the strongest. It's called the strongest, strong, exhaustive, most exhaustive concordance of the Bible. Uh, and you can buy it with shipping for less than 10 bucks. If you go to the local bookstore, they charge 40 for the same book. Okay? So, and, and it is used. You might have a name written in the front, front whoever. Um, but it's probably one of the easiest to use. If you follow this pattern, the Greek letters, the, the Hebrew words, and we're actually getting one coming in and because I thought we had one, um, but we're getting one coming in, and Lord willing, in our next class, I will actually show you um, how that works with an actual concordance. Okay? So if you have one, you can sit down at our table. If you don't want any distractions whatsoever, if all you've got is just like a, a writing tablet and you're not online, uh, I want you to be able to do this even if you have just your Bible and a concordance. Again, there are three. There's a Young's Concordance, a Cruden's, 
uh, concordance as well. Um, the way to remember those is uh, you use the Strong's concordance for the strong, Young's concordance is for the young, and Cruden's is for, well, you get it. No, I'm just kidding. It's not for the crude. All right. So any other questions right now? Yes, Dad. Esort um, is another one. It's a good Bible program, and there are a lot of tools in that. Um, you have to pay for it. It's $3.99. It's a, it's a good program. Yeah. Esort. Yeah, and, and, and I've got, um, let's see here, do I have it on this one? I think I do. Yeah, so you can actually get, uh, can you still get, do you know if you can get the light version? That's the light version. Oh, the three ninety nine one? Okay. So, um, again, similar. Uh, it's got some of the similar features as Blue Letter Bible. Uh, basically, if you want to find a word, it gives you commentary. Now, here's something else. Let's say that you're studying. Let's go back. Let's go back in here for just a moment, and you're looking at your word here, and you go to where it says lexicon, the little button tab there. Go over to the one that says dictionary, and if you tap on dictionary there, oh, let me pull mine up. It's actually going to give you all the available tools whereby you can look that up. So, for example, Nave's Topical Bible or Easton's Bible Dictionary. And anyone that is available, if you actually tap on whatever that word is, it's actually going to pull up the, the, the description or the definition of that word. And then it's going to give you a lot of the verses as to where that can be found. And because it's very intuitive, all you have to do is tap on the verse and it's going to take you right to that verse. Now again, you can go forwards and backwards in here. Um, so if you lose your place, simply type in your word again. If you, if you have tried to go back and it's not allowing you, simply type the word again and you'll go right back to where you started. Okay? I'm not sure, but I think eStore, I think it's free if you have on an iPad. Oh, Okay. Um, I know the light version, and I and I don't know if Android charges for eSword now or not. Uh, I but you can't find it on a Android anymore. Oh, you can't. I don't. I've looked for it. I can't find okay. it. Okay. E dash sword. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Now, I, I do want I do want to show you one more thing here, and then we're going to end this particular session. So let's say that we're looking up a particular passage. Let's say, how many of you have a particular favorite verse or a favorite book? Okay, well, what's, what's a favorite verse or book that you have that you like to read? John 3.16. Okay, so let's look up John 3.16. So in the, in the top on, uh, on your blue letter Bible, type in John 3 verse 16. And again, it's going to come up with whatever version. And then over on the left-hand side, go down to where it says John 3.16 if it didn't come up there. And how many of you see the button Tools? Okay, everybody should see that. Tap on Tools. And it's going to give you several options, including an interlinear. The interlinear is basically how it reads in the Greek translated directly into English. But if you tap that drop-down bar, it's also going to give you commentaries. Okay? 
So click on a commentary and let's go down to say uh, study tools and we want to go down and we want to look at say um, let's say um, not finding it on here in introduction to the gospel of john let's see who who this one is by here just just find one and open it up um and and it's going to give you a breakdown of the book who wrote it it's going to give you some commentary points simply basically it's it's doing what a what a pastor does on a sunday morning studying to break down the passage for you to be able to understand it so again, it is a great tool. There is so much information. You're never going to exhaust this one app by itself. And the eSword on the Android is $299. Okay. And it's $399. $399 for the Apple. Okay. All right. Any other questions? Mark? Yes. Uh, we had mentioned about music here a while back. If I, I just... Remind everyone if you have your iPhones, if you'll go to abidingradio.com. Yes. Actually, there's an app called Abiding Radio, and they have uh, no ads on there, just solid music all day long, 24 7. And it's wonderful. That's actually what we play here on a Sunday when you walk into service. Um, Abiding Radio, It's you can get just instrumental, um, you can get. Um, you can get actually sacred hymns. Um, you can you can get patriotic. You can get Christmas. Um, if you're not fully mature in the Lord, you can get bluegrass. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, Scott. I forgot you were still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Talk to Scott. He'll tell you. When you become more refined. <laughs> California yeah, exactly. I don't know much about okay. If there if there's nothing else again, um and, and I want to respect everybody's time, but there is another uh, there is one more part that I want to be able to share. If you feel like you need to leave, that's fine. Um or if you need to use the restroom or get more food or whatever, that's fine as well. I'm going to go ahead and end this session um and have session 2. Session 2 will not be nearly as long as what the first one was. But I wanted you to be able to have, I really combined uh, the material that I had prepared uh, for session one and session two, and I just rolled all of that into one this morning. Okay?